Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Um, For those of you who are used to seeing me over there, I'm still Don Jonkowski over here. (laughs) It is a great honor of mine to be included in the Mosaic teaching team. And so it is also a great honor to stand before you this morning and share the word of our Lord. But I want to start with asking you a question. See if anybody has, has ever come across this in their life. Do you know that nothing in life is actually free? Right? I, I've already got my first amen. All right, I'm done. Let's go. There's, anytime you see that four-letter word free, there's always some kind of fine print or a marketing ploy involved when you see a free offer from a company, right? Well, buy one, get one free. Eh, last week we jacked up the prices, so you'll buy more and we're not out any money. Free trial. But I need you to put in your credit card information, and if you don't cancel precisely before day seven, then I'm going to stick you, Yeah, you know, you know, we're going to charge you in full, we're going to set you up for automatic renewals, and we are going to make canceling impossible. Doesn't that sound great? Good deal, right? How about get your next bottle or box of, of whatever subscription or whatever vitamin, you get it free but I do need you to write a five-page positive review, cross-notes, you know, cross-referenced footnotes, and I would really like a photo of you looking amazing, whether it actually has anything to do or not with the product that you're advertising. Now, I I admit I have fallen victim to that four-letter word, free. Now, sometimes what's free is it's worth the effort, right? I will happily leave reviews and answer surveys for Amazon gift cards, especially when it's close to holiday shopping. You know, I'm shameless. I mean, I will spend 12 minutes of my time to answer a survey for a $5 Starbucks gift card. I mean, y'all, that coffee habit is expensive. I, you know, I know I know it's not really free, But in those instances, what I have to give up to receive that free reward, something I don't mind doing once in a while. On the other hand, there are those times that what's what's free comes with a cost and a lesson. You know, those subscriptions I I referenced earlier, you know, I've occasionally missed that day seven, and you have to jump through hoops and and do backflips, and I don't, I don't do backflips. I can do a lot in heels. I cannot do backflips. So I've, I've just had to eat the cost, and I've ended up paying for a subscription that I might not actually use. And then, you know, all of us, probably at least once, fell victim to this in college where we signed up for a high-interest credit card that we really had no business having, and all we got out of it was pizza that by college kid standards still wasn't even that good. And these experiences, they, they taught me to look for that fine print 
that accompanies that word free to see what the cost really is for that free thing. I mean, at this point in my life, free has become a jaded concept. And unfortunately, sometimes my jaded view of free creeps into my spiritual life, too. You know, I've heard it in church, I've heard it in Sunday school, on street corners. Salvation is a free gift from God to humanity. It's, It's not something I have to buy, something I can earn by being a good person. Really? Come on. I don't have to do anything to get it. What's the fine print? What do, I, what do I really need to do to earn it? I mean, go to church a lot, hand out tracks on the street corner, pray over my dinner at a restaurant even when people can see me. That's it. That's what I got to do. I mean, tell me, God. Give, give me the checklist. I'm cool. Just tell me what I need to do. And I would hazard a fairly educated guess <clears throat> I'm not the only one in this room or watching online that has ever felt that way. Like, what is the catch? I mean, even though the Bible says free, it it can't really mean free, right? I mean, we're, we're constantly trying to earn our way, prove our worth. We make up rules that we think we have to meet in order to earn our salvation, you have, you have to go to church on Sundays. You have to go to Sunday school and youth group. You have to read your Bible. You have to put money in the plate when it goes by. You have to volunteer and serve others. You have to say at least one bedtime prayer and a prayer over, over a meal, preferably dinner. And now while none of those things are bad things to do, and in fact they're all very good practices to be in the habit of doing. Don't get me wrong. Don't go home and be like, hey, Dawn said I don't have to go to church or pray over dinner anymore. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is they don't earn you salvation or God's favor. And, and looking at these things as transactional ways to reconcile ourselves to God, it's a very human approach and a very incorrect one. But the good news is We are not the first church to do this. Hallelujah, right? It turns out that the church in Corinth, the very church that Paul has been writing to in all of 2 Corinthians, which we happen to be studying in this series, was also spending a lot of time looking at Christ from a a very human point of view. And it was actually causing some problems. So we're going to dig in this morning, and we'll, we'll be looking specifically at 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 through 21. And while you're turning there in your Bible or your Bible app, I'm going to give you a little bit of context into what's been going on in Corinth. After Paul planted this church in Corinth, which if you'd like to read about it, it's available in Acts 18, he then moved on to spread the gospel to other places. And when he did that, there were some problems back in Corinth. Division, quarrels, all these things that led Paul to write his first letter to the church in Corinth. Now that letter didn't solve all the problems, and we learn in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 that Paul had to make a a pretty painful visit to the church to correct some of these things. 
and his letter in 2 Corinthians is writing back to the church to, to just reconcile with them and let them know, like, I, I still like you guys. We're, I still love you. It's going to be okay. That, that message of reconciliation between Paul and the church, though, it, it comes with some tough love because the church had started to look at God and church leadership from a very human point of view. So, well, okay, what does that, what does that mean? They, they had actually rejected Paul because he was poor. He led a life of suffering. He did manual labor, and he wasn't that impressive of a speaker, and hallelujah, am I glad I'm not pre- preaching in front of the church of Corinth this morning. There distorted value system was leading them to instead look to leaders who were well off and successful. But Paul reminds them that Christian leadership and and even the, the Christian life is not about earning favor, position, title, or even being the best speaker out there. Thank goodness. As Paul is about to reveal, it actually has nothing to do with us at all. It's about pointing others to Jesus and the new covenant between God and humanity made through Jesus on the cross. So let's read what Paul reminded them in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Now there's, I know it's early, there was a pretty big word that got repeated a lot in that segment. Did you catch it? Reconciliation. That's like an SAT word, guys. (laughs) What what does reconciliation mean? I promise I won't give you four choices and grade you on your your choice. (laughs) However, we will look at what reconciliation means. Let's look at it first from a human definition. And when we do that, dictionary.com lists these three definitions. One, an act of reconciling as when former enemies agree to an amicable truce. Two, the state of being reconciled as when someone becomes resigned to something not desired. Three, the process of making consistent or compatible. Oof. Resigned to something not desired. Enemies making an amicable truce. Yikes. Are, are these human definitions really the way that reconciliation with God works? Sometimes we act like it, don't we? Like, living a Christian life is such drudgery. There's all these things that we can't do now. 
But you know, we want to get to heaven someday, so we'll do it, you know, when, when we can. I mean, God, I really, I really don't want to be nice to my neighbor. Have you met that guy? He is a jerk. But fine, fine, if it means I get to heaven, I guess I can wave at him once in a while when my hands aren't full of groceries. <laughs> the, the good news, the good news is here is that Paul is talking about God's point of view on reconciliation. Let me see if you caught this in verses 17 and 18. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. This new life that Paul references in verse 17 is available to us because God reconciled us to himself through Jesus. We see this in verse 19. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And, and I, I, can, I can kind of feel the vibe. Great, Don, that, that's cool, but what does it mean to be reconciled to God? Well, I'm so glad you asked because we're going to talk about that. The beginning of verse 18 gives us a pretty big clue on where to start. All of this is a gift from God. The fact that the Corinthians now live a new life is because of the work of God, not something they earned or achieved. In other words, it is a free gift. Now, now pay attention to these two Key phrases, God who brought us back to himself, in verse 18, and reconciling the world to himself, in verse 19. You notice something interesting here? Who is being reconciled to whom at this point? Not a trick question. Humanity is being reconciled to God, right? And this is super Super important. I have it bold in my notes. That's how important it is. God does not need to be reconciled to us. Y'all, we are the ones who must be reconciled to God because we are the ones in the wrong. Earlier, we looked at one of the human definitions of reconciliation, which was the process of making consistent or compatible. God does not need to be consistent with us. He does not conform to our point of view. We're the ones who need to be reconciled. It, it's our sin that caused the division. So that begs the question, how exactly is God reconciling us to him? And, and why does this matter so much? Couldn't, couldn't God just do a God thing and poof, all our sins disappear? I mean, I mean, he could. He could. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. But that wouldn't have actually changed anything. And, and here's why. We know the Bible tells us that sin must be paid for. In the Old Testament, the sin was symbolically placed on an animal who died in the stead of the person. In the New Testament, we learn that the sin of the world was placed on Jesus and he died bearing its weight for us. 
I mean, God couldn't simply excuse sin and pretend it never happened. Our God is holy, and perfect holiness requires justice. So, you know, if he's, if he's sat up there and said, you know, it's okay, don't worry about it, no big deal, and that doesn't really cut it. I mean, let's be honest, level with me, has that statement ever truly fixed a hurt or grievance between you and a spouse or you and a friend or you and a family? <laughs> All right, <laughs> you have to get through the rest of the, to the list. <laughs> no. He's honest. And he's right. No, because the wrong still has not been made right. The debt has not been paid. And as we said earlier, God's holiness meant that justice had to be paid. <coughs> the cross was not a get-out-of-hell-free card. It didn't excuse or ignore the debt of sin. It satisfied it. We have been made new through none of our own power or action. We didn't earn any of it. As Paul has already stated, it is a free gift from God. In fact, we are completely unable to save ourselves. It is only through Christ that we are saved and the debt of sin is satisfied. Christ did what we couldn't do. I'm going to say this again. Reconciliation with God is a free gift. Not only that. The fact that the God of the universe deigned to be the one to reconcile him, us to himself, that is a privilege, y'all. I mean, did you know that Christianity is the only religion where you'll find the deity taking initiative for reconciliation. Right? It, it kind of blows your mind. So many other religions, they're full of all these tasks and lists that humanity has to do to appease an angry God with a little g and earn reconciliation. Those religions have a lot of fine print. All we have to do is accept the gift of Christ's work on the cross and the unearned privilege of being reconciled to our God. It's something God offers and we choose whether or not to receive. I, fam, the only thing we can actually do to reconcile with God is accept his offer. Now, you heard me say earlier that reconciliation with God is a privilege. That, that's pretty powerful to think about. I mean, this, this feels like a really good time to quote one of the best superhero lines. With great power comes great responsibility. Ah, you guys are up on your marvel. Good job. Now, I, I sincerely, I do, I sincerely hope that nobody in this room or watching online has recently been bitten by a radioactive spider has to go save the universe, or New York City, or maybe Milwaukee. I mean, give New York a break for a second. But there is a responsibility that we have now that we are reconciled to God. And I can, I can hear it now. Okay, here it comes, Don. 
Here's the fine print. Here's the thing that I have to do that means this gift really wasn't free as advertised. Slow down. This is God and Paul. It's not a cell phone company. The responsibility we have after we are reconciled to God is this. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. God has first reconciled us to himself through Jesus and now has given us a ministry of reconciliation. I love that Paul uses the word ambassadors here. An ambassador is someone who travels to a different country. They live there for a while. They, they speak on behalf of the king or the president or the, or the leader of their home country. They don't say their own opinions. They don't offer their own interpretations. They don't add on to what their leader has said or change it in any way or they would not have a job for very long. They are where they are as a representative of the king in a foreign land. Does that sound familiar to anyone? I mean, last week, Pastor Jason talked about how earth and these bodies are only our temporary home and our real home is in heaven with God. So here we are on earth, serving as representatives of Christ in this foreign land. And as a king speaks through his ambassadors, our king speaks through us. The message given to us as ambassadors is to share this reconciliation that we now have with our God, with others. And, and not just share with them Plead with them. Now, I don't know about any of you guys, but when I was a kid and, and mom would drag me out shopping with her, my constant refrain was, can we go look at the toys? I mean, and I, I, I didn't just ask once. I reminded multiple times. One, one might even say I, I pled with her because I really wanted to go look at the toys. Hey, look, when you're five, shopping for clothes is not that exciting, and toys very much are. I have changed since then, just FYI. <laughs> I read this verse now when we plead, come back to Christ, and I think about my persistent reminders to go look at the toys because I was so excited by them. Do I plead with the unsaved to come back to Christ? Am I so excited about what God has done for me and giving me this free gift of reconciliation that I keep asking and asking and asking? Do I even always take up my mantle as an ambassador and speak up in the first place? Or worse, do I only speak up about what Christ has done for me because I think it'll somehow help me earn that gift, earn that salvation and reconciliation to feel like I had some part 
in accomplishing this restored relationship between me and God. And, and I, don't, I don't say that, hear me this morning, I don't say that to guilt and shame any of, any of you or me. This is just a reminder of how incredible God's free gift of reconciliation is to us and that all we have to do, all we actually have to do is accept his offer. And then from there, yes, he has tasked us with being his ambassadors and sharing his message of reconciliation, but that's because this free gift is so amazing, so exciting, that if we really stop to think about it, it's kind of hard not to talk about it. We have a responsibility to guide others to reconciliation with God so they too can accept it and live a new life. Now, I, I know you might have looked out your window this morning and seen a couple snow flurries. I did. I know we're not even close to Christmas, and I'm looking at you, Pastor Nick. I have heard you play Christmas music recently. <laughs> In his defense, he's learning guitar, and Christmas carols are very simple. But still, Christmas carols, April. That's all I'm going to say. But I want, you, I want you to think about the coolest gift you got as a kid. Now, maybe it was that seven-foot G.I. Joe aircraft carrier that none of us are ever going to forget about. Maybe it was a Nintendo or a pair of Nikes or Air Jordans, the, the Barbie dream house, maybe the pink Corvette, a new bike. And when you, when you get back to school from Christmas break, what do you want to tell all your classmates about? Dude, I got the coolest thing for Christmas. And you probably won't shut up about it until at least math class because you just want everybody to know. When we experience an amazing gift from God, we should want to tell everybody about it, just like that super amazing, awesome, cool Christmas gift. Something stops us, doesn't it? And it, and it feels different to share a, a God gift. Faith, <laughs> faith is a lot harder to share than a toy at Christmas, let's be honest. Sometimes we're not sure what to say. I mean, what if the person rejects what I have to say or worse, rejects me? What if, what if they ask questions I don't have an answer to? Wait, does this mean I have to stand on a street corner with a bullhorn and shout at people? Sharing the message of reconciliation, as Paul tells us we have been tasked with doing, it doesn't have to be scary or intimidating, and it sure as heck doesn't need to involve a bullhorn in a street corner. In fact, I will give you a sneak peek into some of the things that our, our groups have been learning in Discipleship Pathway that have shown me that sharing my faith and talking about the free gift of reconciliation from God is a lot easier than I thought. There are actually multiple ways that you can start sharing the gospel with those around you that fit right in to the regular rhythms of life. It can start as easy as praying with or for someone. Fix a meal for someone who's dealing with a health or family emergency. Help a neighbor put up their Christmas lights in November. Talk to a colleague about normal life stuff. These 
are the things that build relationship. And then, you know what they do? They create the opportunity to share your exciting story. Where was I before Christ? What was the interaction with God that changed me? And how has my life been different since then? That's it. Formulate your story based on three easy questions that you already know the answers to better than anyone because it's your experience being reconciled with God. Where was I before Christ? What was the interaction with God that changed me? And how has my life been different since then? It's, it's that simple to start talking to somebody about this amazing free gift of reconciliation with God. In just a moment, we're going to take about 30 seconds of silent prayer. And in that time, I want us each to ask God to bring to our attention one person this week that we can be an ambassador to for Christ, sharing this message of reconciliation and what it might look like. And then together this week, let's commit to taking that step of ambassadorship together because we have freely received such an incredible gift and it is our honor, our privilege, and our task to share this wonderful message of reconciliation with the world. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world. Visit us at mosaicwi.com.